When you've spent some 25 years in the beer industry, working with a raft of innovative companies, you've probably picked up a thing or two along the way. And for today's guest, that time in beer and hospitality is and was always about the people. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. In today's episode, we hear from Christian Barden, an experienced and enthusiastic global beer industry leader whose mantra is doing well by doing good. Christian has held executive positions at AB InBev, where he spent 15 years, and a range of drinks and hospitality-related PLCs and SMEs. Most recently, he started Kegstar in Europe, grew and led it across three continents as global CEO, and now holds a number of advisory roles across the industry. And speaking at our Brewers Lectures in Birmingham in May, Christian says that those 25 years in beer and hospitality were as much 25 years of four Ps. Purpose, people, planet and profit. Um, essentially, I latched onto this thing some time ago around... Um, uh, people are always at the fundamental part in how you build any team, any business. Um, likewise, if you do that with um, focus on profit, and that comes back to a, a story from many years ago, and making sure you're doing or you're behaving in a profitable way, um, do that um, whilst having a focus on how you really make a difference to the planet. Then guess what? You'll probably end up with sustainability, which is all the rage now, um, and rightly flaming so. And so I'll try and, um, well, I'll share a few stories as we go through this. But I mentioned 25 years, um, that's how long I've been in this wonderful industry. And I kind of started off with beer and hospitality, but that really isn't it. It's been, I've been so lucky to be surrounded by really great people who've led me, who've supported me, um, who've sponsored me, who've also given me a clip round the year old when I've got it massively wrong, and my goodness I do. Um, and, um, and those people have really dished out um, at crucial moments, um, purpose about how we're going about building a business or purpose about building a brand. And ultimately, you then kind of roll it all up, and this is my little formula for how I build um, uh, teams and businesses, as I say. So I did 15, 16 years at AB InBev, joined as a graduate, finished off on the board in Europe, and had the whale of a time. Um, finding out about the wonderful world of beer, and I'm amazed I haven't had anybody sneering at me yet, so thank you. Um, and, um, but I tell you what, um, it gave me a fantastic grounding of which um, I wouldn't have been able to go on and do some of the things that I've done subsequently. And the rest of the brands up here are businesses that I've been involved in. Uh, so early days, as I came out of AB InBev, I wanted to go more plural, so I got involved in an Australian plastic one-way keg company called EcoKeg. And, um, uh, of which you could say is a kind of six degrees of separation to why I started um, up Kegstar. Uh, I've been involved in Zodale, which was a, uh, uh, an engineering business. Some of you will have their pumps and valves and actuators uh, in, your, um, uh, in your breweries and in your, in your businesses. And again, they found me because they wanted to get into brewing. And very quickly, we found out their single biggest opportunity was in uh, culture and in people. Um, Royal Unibrew, one of Europe's big sort of uh, northern European uh, breweries um, where, um, again, it came down to people. They had such a world of opportunity and within 16, 17 months it was only a fleeting thing, um, but ultimately we whacked another two and a half million turnover on the business, doubled its EBITDA and then I took off to go and start Kegstar. 
I'm not all about Kegstar, but a lot of my stories might just come from Kegstar. And I'm now proud uh, to be here, um, sort of involved in a number of other businesses, from Brew Broker to Pint Please, Europe's answer to Untapped, but with so much cool functionality to it. The Good Beer Co., if you've seen stuff around, the Thank You campaign, the Queen's Jubilee, Thank Brew, etc. I'm involved in that as well. And, um, and, a, and a lockdown project, listening to Christian earlier, a lockdown project of I've always recruited for the last 15 years on four things. Your CV will kind of tell me that you've got some kind of experience, that's great. But then it comes down to four things. Tenacity, dedication, capability and adaptability. So when you're sat on top of half a million kegs spread across three continents and a you know, $30 million business that ultimately has no revenue whatsoever, you start scratching around thinking, I really need a backup plan if this thing carries on through the pandemic. And so you know was born. And essentially, you know, is um, an ambition of ours to essentially um, provide a behavioral mirror to, mirror to everybody in the world for absolutely nothing um, so that we all get the opportunity for kind of giving ourselves feedback, etc. So broad and range um, journey through uh, the brewing industry, um, which has led to ultimately hospitality brewing and a healthy dose of technology in there as well. But the most important thing I've learned with anything uh, in building a business, building a team, and I've done it in a few sports environments as well, is making sure that you've got a purpose. Because as you heard from Christian earlier on, purpose kind of gives you belief, and belief essentially is your booster rocket for achieving absolutely anything. And in this day and age, it can get to a little bit of a sort of, yeah, it's a bit cheesy, and really, can you do that? Well, actually, when the numbers aren't coming in, and when the team aren't gelling the way you need them to do, and the response in the marketplace isn't quite what you want, having a much, much bigger purpose for doing something is so valuable. You know, TED Talks, it's as simple as spreading ideas. I bumped into this one only the other day, but JetBlue, Inspiring humanity in the air and on the ground. It means that when you turn up to work, you think really, really differently about just doing the job. SpaceX, in a world of spiraling costs, but how about this? To reduce the cost of space transport and colonize uh, Mars. Okay, that puts a different spring in your step when you rock up to work every single day. And then Athletic Bruco, which um, I think is the first part of their statement, which is kind of um, to provide, uh, I'll probably get it slightly wrong, but their customers' happiness and health and well-being, as well as making consciously, uh, conscious decisions about um, how they impact the planet. And then Uno, even little Uno, which still hasn't properly launched yet, and this is not selling it to you, by the way, uh, but it still hasn't launched yet. But the simple strapline is we, wanna, we want to um, enable a billion lives to have a better life by simply being. And that's what makes the slog and the next thousand pounds and the next thousand pounds worthwhile because we've got something so much bigger than just providing a digital behavior platform. So purpose is the booster rocket for achieving anything. But once you've got that in mind, it always starts with who. The what can come afterwards. And it was only a couple of nights ago I was reading uh, the founder of Pixar which, by the way, nine years before they made their first movie, which uh, blew me away. Nine years and a number of different failed attempts at other things before they landed on it. But the point was is the great thing about good people is you can give them a good idea and they'll turn it into a great idea and a great opportunity and so much bigger than when you started. You give a good idea to bad people and they'll utterly torch it. 
But here's the other cool thing about good people and great people, etc., is they'll also tell your ideas terrible, rip it up and build something even better. And that's even more important. It goes with our chat over the break. Yeah. Hire people that are better than you, because guess what? It's quite nice and humbling that way. And once you think you know it all, you're well and truly stuffed. But it always comes down to people, it always comes down to teams, and it always comes down to behavior. Even if there's just you and your team to start with, two of your team to start with, three of your team to start with. And in doing that, I bumped into this wonderful model, the five dysfunctions of a team. And it's fairly logical, and it kind of touches upon uh, Siobhan's point earlier on, which is if you don't have an environment of trust, then you're never, ever going to get comfortable with conflict. And until you're comfortable with conflict, then you won't get to commitment. But when you get through commitment, then you have accountability in your business. And when you have accountability, then you have those kind of results that just keep on perpetuating and get you through the tough times, as Christian touched upon, as many of you nodded through, um, as he presented as well. And it's such a simple model, but it's such a powerful model. And it's so easy to do. Because the first thing you have to do is make it psychologically safe for everybody to contribute and feel welcome and be included. And, um, and then it comes down to us and our roles. And leadership is more than just a title in my world. Leadership is just kind of something that you do, okay? And there's this principle of five levels of leadership. And the first level of leadership is, well, you kind of basically do stuff because I've told you to do stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't respond particularly well to that. Okay, and I hope not many other people do. And we're working in a world which is ever more enabled to expect as you go all the way through to the top, which is level five leadership is people just follow you because what you do for them, what you've done for the business and the track record and the way in which you do it, which touches upon the Maya Angelou thing of people never really remember what you said or what you did. They remember the way you made them feel. And then, and then, you've got real leadership running all the way through your business from the person that might come in for one hour to clean the bathrooms to the person that ultimately has to make the decision about where the next round of funding comes from uh, through to who sits in front of the bank. And that stuff, that stuff becomes highly engaging and highly emotive for everybody involved. And then we get on to sustainability. And the great thing that's happening in the world now is sustainability is being seen so much more than just, okay, we've got to kind of reduce, reuse, recycle. It actually has a massive people element to it as well. It's about ecology. Yes, we do the right things for the planet. It's about economy. Yes, we do the right things financially. But also, it's about equity, diversity, and inclusion. Because once you've got that kind of thought process in your business, you can actually tackle a number of problems. And I love the work that Net Zero are doing now and breaking down how we can all make a difference in the brewing and hospitality sector to, in the progress towards Net Zero. But again, I come back to the point around people. Great people, great teams, etc. in a world that's psychologically safe, that can actually deal with conflict remarkably comfortably, um, then you start to be able to nail things. And that's the small stuff. And I caught up with a distillery not so long ago. They said, I don't know if I want to get wrapped up in all the sustainability stuff. Then we've got to employ a sustainability person. Then they're going to be wasting their time doing this, that, and the other. And then I just sort of, in mid-conversation with them, said, um, what have you got your printer settings to? Uh, Colour, cool. And what happens with the paper? It just kind of prints out. All you have to do is switch it to black and white for everybody in the office to use, and all you have to do is make sure it's print, it prints out double-sided, and you've made a very, very small step. 
And when you make those very small steps, to your point earlier about calling people out when they get things wrong and changing the printer settings and a number of other things, suddenly you end up being able to impact everything the right way. Because it's only the really, really, really big players that can make massive changes in an instant. The rest of us just have to keep making sure that we nudge it along and call these things out to make a difference. And then there's this thing about profit, okay? And I learned early days I, I, that the AB InBev that I joined um, was actually Whitbread Beer Company, part of Whitbread PLC, etc. Amazing business. And I was utterly shocked that, you know, as a young person who probably didn't really understand these things, how on earth we were suddenly being the target of people wanting to buy us out. You know, surely we were fantastic and we had these coffee shops and we had these hotels and we had this beer company, we had all this other sort of stuff, until you find out that one of the problems was we kind of didn't make enough money. And therefore you became a sitting duck to all the people who knew how to make money out of your business. And then you get to this point of that if we were making money, then maybe we might have been able to decide our own destiny. Now, I'm not for one second going to flip it around and say, well, actually, what I would have loved to have just stayed in Whitbread, because I've learned so much more as, as part of becoming the biggest brewer in the world. But that profitability thing in my simple world, and, it's, uh, and I'll come on to sort of stuff with Kegstar and, and, um, uh, and Royal Unibrew, is principally, first, if we're making money, then I can protect people. So the people that I've got there and then, I can make sure that they have a job the next day, the next month, the next year. And then if I'm making enough money, then I can start to invest in things that really, really matter to them. Little things like at Kegstar, we had a program called Fitstar, which goes all the way back to my graduate presentation at Whitbread, where I got laughed almost out of the room, but I still got the job, which was, uh, for those people that are old enough, eight acetates about why it's important to stay fit and healthy at work, okay? But Fitstar came down to this wonderful thing of, we're working in the beer industry, so therefore we're going to party hard. We're doing a startup, therefore it's going to be long, long hours. And how do I make sure that there's some kind of reward and recognition to make sure that people just stay on top of their mental and physical health? It amassed to a couple, uh, I think the average claim in a year was probably about a thousand pounds. I contributed towards PT, I contributed towards gym membership, I contributed towards um, some fitness gear, etc. But you know what? It meant that it was always part of people's mindsets to go, let's get back on it, let's get fitter, let's get healthier. But those things matter. Those things matter, and those things are the things that people miss the most when you take them away. Um, Likewise, you can start to invest in a bit of learning and development. As I said earlier, once you think you know it all, then you're kind of stuffed. Um, and learning and development can even be making sure that somebody's got a flight and somebody's got a, a, a ticket to get into the next event where they get to be in a room like this with a whole load of people from lots of different backgrounds where you might just learn something that you didn't learn yesterday, and that's pretty darn cool as well. So that profitability story... Um, uh, I was once part of um, uh, one of the biggest asset pooling companies in the world, and their sort of measure on things is, well, you know, when you're building an asset pooling-based business, then it'll probably take you about 9 to 12 years to break even. Stupidly, but I kind of nearly got there, which is, can we do it in 9 to 12 months as Kegstar? We did it in month 13, I'm pleased to say, but the stress that took off us was f unbelievable, and it then meant that we could actually start to invest in bringing people in after the growth curve where we could say to them, you've got a job and you're going to keep having a job because we now have got the model worked out well enough that we'll keep being able to um, uh, bring more people in to, to fuel and, and support the business. Which kind of also goes to the, uh, to the thing around um, investing in the things that matter most to people. 
And with that broad, uh, broad investment in those things, you end up being able to bring a great experience. And I know it's a bit of a Richard Bransonism, but you know what? You invest in the right people and you give them a great experience, it will probably come from the inside to the outside. And that makes it far easier to get on board with um, building a business. And my thing about building Kegstar was, it's the most boring thing in the world. I think when I first got a phone call about Christian, do you want to start up a keg pooling business? No, thanks. I'm quite happy here at Royal Unibrew. Apparently, I'm going to be chief operating officer one day, and I have no interest in doing that whatsoever. The cog started turning, and I realized I, was a safe, I had a safer bet to be able to business from, build a business from scratch, etc. And then I said, look, OK, there's a couple of things that will get me to the interview, OK? Am I allowed to make keg sexy? OK? Which I then got somebody going, whatever turns you on, sunshine, but if you want to make keg sexy, then go for your life. The other thing was, it's a business-to-business brand. And I want to build a business-to-consumer brand. Am I okay doing that? Yeah. And I also have this dream that actually when I'm 50, 60, etc. years old, I want to be able to look over my shoulder, and this comes back to purpose, sit with my kids and their partners and see cake star cakes and go, do you know what? I made a difference. We took thousands of road miles out. We made um, a small number of cakes do thousands more journeys and trips and rotations. And therefore, I've actually done one of those things that I talked about, which is kind of sweating the little stuff in order to make my contribution on the world as well. So you build up the experience, the customer, the, the, the cultural experience grows, the customer experience then follows. You're then able to put the right amount of time and energy into the efficiencies that drive the business rather than you having to drive your business with your show, uh, sleeves rolled up all the time. It allows you to be so much more effective in how you go about your day, uh, which in turn allows you to actually have some time off occasionally. Um, it also means that you retain people because it's kind of fun. Yeah, I can see that the business is making money and I can see that this culture is right for me. It might not be right for everybody, but it's right for me, which is why I'm here. I can see how this supports me and supports the overall goal. Do you know what? Let's keep turning up to work. And the thing I really wanted to do was get to a point where people loved getting up on a Monday morning. And I'm pleased to say for about five years, we managed to absolutely smash that out of the park and lockdown. You know, not only did we hate it because of being locked at home, but when people were desperate to get on that call at 11 o'clock at Monday and have a really good laugh with everybody, then that's terrific. It allows you to focus on the reach and therefore you're growing your brand and it also allows you to reflect and become more and more relevant as you go along. And there's lots of things that I probably would have done with Kegstar um, had, I, um, had I continued uh, building that, but who knows, there's three pages of notes that I might just do with another business pretty soon elsewhere. And then you get to this, and I haven't read this book, but I just thought what a wonderful way of putting it, which is the world of net positive, where businesses put in more than they expect to get out. Because that's a real virtuous circle. And I hope the last 40, 50 years, we've kind of got to the end of this, uh, admittedly not with um, BP's latest announcement, we get to the end of this, do you know what, this is what we're putting back in as well as this is what we're getting out. And the th sad thing is, as I kind of put this, um, uh, as I put this slide together, which is that, you know, wrapped up in Zodale, we thought it was going to be at about a brewery thing, it became a cultural and commercial uh, and people thing. We got the business sold. We started Kegstar from scratch. We grew it at 30 million in three continents. We got the business sold. We started Sprout. I was found by a couple of guys down in Australia. Um, apparently, they were told, if you want to do something in brewing and hospitality, give this guy a call in the UK. So we did, and we started that business. Uh, it's a hospitality platform. And three years later, most of it through lockdown, and we got the business uh, sold. All of them start. Oh, sorry. All of them started with a specific mission in mind. All of them pretty much very quickly ended around customer, commercial, and cultural experience. And the bit that I was going to say that's sad is that 
$70 million of deal value in the last 12 months of things that I'm involved in. But I can't give you a number for the teams and the people and all that sort of stuff because we measure things financially all the time. Um, we did for a while, for a long while, Jake will remember, we had the Kegstar Happiness Index and that was all about how you marry results and uh, uh, how you marry results and how people are feeling at any one moment in time. But I kind of wrote this and thought, well, that's cool, but I'm far more happier talking about how many people have felt engaged and enjoyed their journey over that period um, with the businesses that we've built. And then I bumped into this, some podcast, and I cannot remember what, uh, who the guy being interviewed was, as I kind of wrap things up, which was, I think, um, yeah, both, both, uh, all three uh, uh, talks this, uh, earlier on today covered this in some way, shape, or form. But you know, my original phrase that I always used to use: if you don't like change, you'll like irrelevance even less. And then I kind of bumped into this with how volatile and uncertain uh, the world is at the moment. Which is, if you want things to stay the same, things have probably got to change around here. And ain't that the case for where we're at at the moment. But I go back to the purpose, the people, the planet, the profit. That just gives me a framework for how I've done stuff. And I hope there's some insights in how you might approach some of the, your things um, and how you build your businesses and how you go back to your business. But at least with a framework, I've got something to go back to as the world continues um, to evolve around us. But to get there, it's as simple as being and doing the right things. And every cock-up I've ever made in life is when I've over-focused on having something. I need to have this. I need to have that. We need to be having this. By the time we get there, we've got to have done that. Actually, do you know what? <laughs> every time I've focused on being and doing the best that I can possibly do, then it's normally ended up in the having. And that's when I kind of go, wow, how on earth did this happen? And that's pretty cool. And the thing that I've spotted through all of this stuff, is it always will. Actually, I'll, before I finish the punchline, I'm yet to find a business or a team that's consistently underperforming and having a great time. And I'm yet to find a business or a team where they're having a terrible time and they've got great big smiles on their faces. So when it comes to people, purpose, uh, planet and profit, the most important thing is it's always about smiling faces and great results. Work from wherever you want to work. Do whatever you want to do, but line up between those four things and you'll probably find out you've got great big smiles, you've got some fantastic results, and you've got a team that will go on longer and harder well after we actually stop doing what we need to do as leaders because you've got more leaders in the room, more leaders in the business. Cool, all good. Thank you ever so much. The Brewer's Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris and a special thanks to Christian Barton.